Welcome back to Judging Book Covers Podcast, your bi-weekly book club podcast focused on helping guests clear out their to-be-read lists. I'm Megan Griffin, and as always, I am joined by my absolutely amazing co-host, Stephanie Cortez. How are you doing? Um, doing okay. Uh, <laughs> mostly because I was going through my notes and stuff and rereading stuff from the book uh, right before this, so trying to get my emotions in check. <laughs> Yes, we're going to have uh, potentially our, our heaviest episode. We didn't break in Kindred, but we might break here. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> well, This week, we, in anticipation for the movie release, which is in October, we read The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas, and we have Elle Riccardi here to talk about it with us. How are you doing, Elle? I'm uh, similar to Stephanie, trying to... <laughs> get it together <laughs> i speed read this book in three days it's been a lot yeah. it is it is a lot to process in a short amount of time yeah i read it in three days this time too and was like i've read this before i'm gonna be okay two chapters in i'm walking home from the subway sobbing my eyes out so yeah yeah i was telling my mom about this book when I... they came to visit today it's like, oh, and if you get it, to you know, if you want to read it, just a fair warning. Things start immediately. It's like it's <laughs> there's no like really preparation for it. Like it just jumps right in. Yeah. Yeah. There's another one uh, called Dear Martin, which Nikki or Nick Stone. I can't remember which one she goes by wrote, um, which is a about a kid who watches his best friend get shot as well and he writes letters to Martin Luther King to kind of cope with it. Okay. It doesn't jump right into it to the point where it's like, maybe I for don't really know what this is about and then you're like, oh, no, there's the shooting. Okay. You lulled me into like a safe, comfortable zone and crushed my soul. So... <laughs> But even with the hate you give, I felt like, um, so it starts immediately, like first chapter, Mm -hmm. it happens and it's really heart wrenching. Um, but then like throughout the book, there's so much more than just about this shooting. It's like the main character star is so well drawn and experiences so much that I think it does kind of the same thing where it sort of, it lulls you into this existence where you slip into this character and she has all of these moments that you can like really deeply relate to and then it brings it back in that same way and it just reminds you and it's it's very real and it's very like yeah i think the movie summary is actually doing the best job of an actual summary for this book um which uh, i don't have in front of me so this is off the top of my head but basically star carter is dealing with living a dual life between her persona in Garden Heights and her persona at her uh, fancy prep school and this duality comes to a head the night that one of her best friends Khalil is shot by a cop and there's something about like phrasing it that way rather than this is a book about a girl who watches her best friend get shot and the aftermath but looking at it as like she was a real teen doing dealing with a lot of things had already dealt with a lot of things 
already had fairly regular teenage issues and then got this added on top of it. So I am liking how they're portraying it or portraying Star and their advertisements. <clears throat> so um, this book is the debut, I was about to say album again, the debut book by Angie Thomas. It has been on the New York Times bestseller list for 75 weeks. It is back to the number one spot for YA hardcover, probably in anticipation for um, the movie, which I'm really, really liking. I don't know if you guys have seen any of the promos, not the actual uh, trailers, but they're shooting like promos that look like the cover of the book. Mm. So they've got, uh, I just forgot her name, <laughs> Amanda... Uh, Steinberg holding the sign that says the hate you give and like one of them's just of her like her legs and one of them's a full body shot so I'm really really liking that they're really staying true to that so get ready for a really super fun episode guys (laughs) what'd you guys think um well I really liked it it was uh, (laughs) it was a book I had wanted to read I saw the trailer first I'd heard of the book and it kind of put it in the back burner in my mind and then I saw the trailer I was like you know I really need to read this book but it's I knew it was going to be a very hard book to read um and not avoiding it but when you brought it up I said yes we're going to do this so I can't avoid it it's going to happen I'm going to read this book (laughs) before the movie comes out same here (laughs) Um, it was still very hard to read because um, when I was describing it to my mom, she asked, is this based on a true story? And I was like, well, yes and no, because it's real life. Like it's based on all of these or like, you know, loosely based, you know, kind of you could say on things that are happening today, but not one specific event sort of. Um, but I liked that, like, as you were saying, Megan, that it's not just about her witnessing this one uh this murder of her really good friend. Um, There's way more to it. And I didn't think that I would laugh during this book. And there were some parts where I was cracking up. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Particularly when her mom goes off on them for going to play basketball. Um, Because I was like, that's (laughs) my mom. And then I know that would be me if we were having kids. Um, And then when her mom is trying to find her towards the end, when the decision from the grand jury comes out and everything and her text messages or her voicemails, they start off very nice, like star, you know, I'm worried. Give me a call. And then it switches to why are you not answering your phone? I know you're getting these messages. You need to call me back to I will snatch your life. (laughs) (laughs) That was the best. Like the last message her mom sends her is like, oh, you can get up and protest, but you can't text your mom. (laughs) Yes. And I can hear the voice in my yeah, head. Yeah, it sounded a lot like my mom. <laughs> <laughs> and then me oh. as well. <laughs> um, but there was definitely, and also just it reminding me of simple things from high school, like your first love and, you know, being yourself with that person. Especially, like, she talks a lot about feeling she's one version of star when she's at home in garden heights and then she's williamson star when she's at the prep school she's you know she doesn't want to be the angry black girl so she's got to watch what she says and just little things that she chooses to say differently like you instead of ill i get that so much like <laughs> so much so 
there's definitely a lot. It took me back to high school a little bit too, just with that first love, you know, the innocence of it and feeling like they're your everything. And just, I don't know. There's so much to this story. I loved <laughs> everything about it. Yeah. I think that's what I, I liked about it the most too, is it would have been really easy for this to just be like a book that is about something and have it be almost like an over dramatized look at this whole thing. But my, my, the thing that struck me the most about this book is how real star is as a teenager and how believable she is. And then my favorite thing about the book was how beautifully drawn her family was. And my favorite moments in the book, her mom and dad, like they had star really, really young. Her mom was like just graduated from high school or like about to graduate from high school. Her dad went to prison, but they're so in love with each other. And at one point she's like, they're my OTP (laughs) and it was really cute. And then like her brother seven, who's like her half brother and he's, such a standard older brother and that whenever she's like around a guy he's like this is this isn't gonna be a problem is it and then my favorite is her little brother sakani (laughs) he was born looking for a camera just like all the little bits of this little kid or they have a family pit bull named bricks and she describes what bricks does how he gets in everybody's lap looking for food um her dad in his garden all of these little bits and then the neighborhood that she lives in it's she does, um, Thomas, like Angie Thomas did such a beautiful job writing a story that is deeply effective for what the main subject matter is, which is police brutality against people of color, but also reminding you that this isn't just like a political issue. This is a person this is happening to. And she imbues personhood into her character so beautifully. I think she's like so talented and I loved it. Yeah, I, uh, similar to both of you held off on reading this book as long as possible because uh, Mary has read it too. And she said it was too depressing to talk about, which is why she's not here. Um, but uh, as she put it, she reads to escape and this book kind of shoves real life into your face. That was actually the exact reason I put it off. And I yeah. was so, I mean, like I said, like Stephanie said, and like you mentioned, like, Oh, I'm like, <laughs> I have a lot of feelings about this book, but there was so much in it that felt like so beautiful and like uplifting to me. So it kind of yeah. made up for it. I am really curious. I really, really hope her second book, which is loose, like it's the same neighborhood, but I, I don't, it's not a sequel. Um, it's, it's a completely different character that I tried to listen for to see if she's ever mentioned in the hate you give and honestly I got sucked into it again and and totally forgot halfway through um but I also I hope it's more of just like a YA book not that these things shouldn't be brought to attention but also like we should be reading authors of colors books that aren't trying to necessarily make a statement does that make sense like this book even if you remove the the police brutality and add some other drama in there make it a love triangle or something like that i still think this could have been a perfect ya book mm-hmm. and and i think that is where angie thomas really really succeeds like you're saying you know building this world around star and so i just i don't know i'm like i don't want to be like, you should read this because 
this is like an honestly something that everybody should be paying attention to in the world. This, this book has a ton of great messages and I truly support every school. That's like, we should be reading this book. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think was it yesterday I was looking, I looked something up about the book and found the articles about, um, some people in an uproar about schools wanting to read this and wanting to ban it from schools and Ugh. police unions supporting that to, for it to not be read that they feel it shouldn't be read like maybe you should read it first because i feel like yes. you haven't read it <laughs> if all your <laughs> if what because the idea is that it's um it'll foster a distrust of the police i mean a that already exists let's be real yeah if you need th- if you think this one book's gonna do that right. well no let's just look at history and i want to live in your world <laughs> um but also it's not it's about so much more like just read the book but yeah <laughs> yeah i think there's kind of three broad categories there's the shooting there's the media portrayal i think is a big mm. factor yeah. and something important in the book and then there's star trying to come to terms of like who am i and how do i be me mm. in a world that doesn't necessarily accept me for me so yeah it's i mean it's obviously like it's a coming of age story because that's what most young adult is um but it's also very much like it's framed within this incident that ends with her friend khalil dead but it is also something that would have eventually had to come to a head for star anyways to sort of realize that she can't be like fully actualized until she accepts these sort of like almost like two halves of herself yeah and i think that that's um the heart of the story definitely it's i think it is too um so i'm not sure how we want to break this down Uh, we can we can just kind of go through the plot, or we can talk about. I think I have a good starting point if we're gonna do the plot. In the party at the very first chapter. <laughs> well, there's something in the party that I think speaks to like what we've all been talking about. This idea that there's this this bigger political thing happening, but there's also this very personal story about Star, and it's said in the beginning. She's mad at her boyfriend, yeah. yes. Chris. <laughs> And she's ignoring his texts. And it's, and like later on, you find out. So, like, Chris is her boyfriend at this prep school she goes to named Williamson. And he's, he's white. But that's not something that's ever like come up with her before, really. Like, not in like a very conscious way. She's mad at him because they were making out and he pulled the condom out. And she was like, I told you no. Yes. Yep. And, <laughs> and which is a really like such a like relatable teen experience it's like i've been dating this guy i love this guy and suddenly he's like let's right. do this Except i had already <laughs> told you no and also when we do find out why she's mad at him that in that moment when she, when he takes it out and she's like wait we had this conversation because she sees all these pregnant girls at school and i was like this this is why i decided to, that i wanted to wait until i graduated high school to have sex this exact reason i didn't get I didn't have a, that episode with my boyfriend, but it, it would have gone probably similarly <laughs> with me being pissed <laughs> off. <laughs> but I also thought it was yeah. so real with the way her friends respond. Like, even before, they, they don't even know what's happened, but they know that, that she is mad at him. So they're like, fuck this boy. Like, he's not coming near you. 
we, they, <laughs> fuck him. Like they're, they don't even have like, that's, that's very real. Like, I don't need to know why. I just know that you're mad at him because he did something and he's on my shit list now. Exactly. And her stuff with her friends rang so true too. Like she so like seamlessly includes social media in this. Oh yeah. Tumblr is a plot point. Yes. yes. And that's so real now. And an important one that actually does relate back to the real story there, which is that like racism sucks. <laughs> like yeah. But I also did have a moment where I felt like um so there's a lot of references about like old songs or old groups or old this that are stuff that I grew up with. <laughs> So I'm like, oh, <laughs> all right, way to make me feel old. But uh, when her mom is like, yeah. now what's Tumblr? Is it like Facebook? I was like, oh, that's me because I don't really know what Tumblr is. <laughs> <laughs> that was me like five or six years ago with I, one of my oldest, dearest friends is uh, is a good bit younger than me, about five or six years younger than me. And when he got on Tumblr, I was like, what the fuck is this? And like, I'm looking at it and I'm like, what the fuck? He's like, it's anything you want it to be. Right. But I, that doesn't make sense. I feel like I got a very similar answer from my sister or someone a few years ago as well. And I was like, I need a specific explanation because I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> it's like, it's like, what if you could just retweet whole blog posts? <laughs> exactly. That's literally what it is. It's like, they were like, we should have a retweet function for 5,000 words. <laughs> yes. And also a perfect platform for you to post uh, all of the porn you draw and write. <laughs> yep. Like, like that's my favorite thing about Tumblr. And I always tell people, like, if I'm going to explain what corner of the internet I'm from, I'm from Tumblr circa 2011. <laughs> okay. Where it was memes about different college majors, porn fic, <laughs> and social justice commentary that would knock your goddamn socks off. Like, yeah. There are people who, who argue that, like, Black Lives Matter started on Tumblr. I can see how they might think that. Like, that's the first place I remember getting any education about, like, what white privilege was or what, Same. like, Black Lives Matter was the first place I remember getting any feminist education. And now that I look back, I'm like, some of this was not great. <laughs> yeah, I was, my Tumblr experience was... Lo and behold, people on the internet, not the best to get your life lessons <laughs> philosophy from. I started in, like, the fitness part, because it was like, here are recipes, here are workouts, here are things, here's a bunch of people that are going to help and support you on your long journey. Hashtag fitspo. Yep. <laughs> and then branched out a little bit into the social justice warrior side. A lot of supernatural fanfic, not gonna lie. <laughs> um... And Torchwood and Doctor Who. But yeah, there was a point that I stopped on Tumblr because it was like, nobody is ever happy. And anything you could be happy about, there's going to be someone on Tumblr that tells you why it's not okay to be happy about that in this world. And that was the most depressing <laughs> thing to ever uh, hear. Your famous problematic website is hosted through Tumblr. And that is the place that accused John Green of being like a child blaster. Yeah. So. Yeah. So it's there's a lot of good on Tumblr. There's a lot of like open discourse that can be like really helpful. Like I, I still have a Tumblr and I still follow. I was just um, about to say, I wonder if mine still exists. Medieval POC. She's like uh, a medievalist who specifically studies like non-white folks and their history in the Middle Ages. Amazing. Mm. Awesome articles. Well-researched discourse. 
And then other than that, I mostly follow uh, GIF blogs, which is mostly what Tumblr is these days. <laughs> Fan GIF blogs. Oh, if mine like, no longer exists. Or I changed like the name, I follow I one. Aw. I follow one that's literally just GIFs of Jughead Betty. <laughs> so it's like, discourse, discourse, discourse. Jughead and Betty in bed at the five seasons or whatever it is at the end. Discourse, discourse. <laughs> Harry Potter fanfic. Nice art. I follow a color palette blog. Tumblr's whatever you want it to be. Yes. But it, you know, if when I was 16, it was Live Journal. Actually, it was probably, was it Zanga that came after? I had a Zanga. Yeah. There was also briefly Dead Journal, which you needed Isn't like. the vampire one? No, but it was like. You needed a really special access code. Like, at one point, LiveJournal, you couldn't just, like, get on. You had to know someone to get a code. And then when they opened it up, Dead Journal started, which had that, like, exclusivity. So, but I think Dead Journal's gone. Either that or I just can't find it again. Stephanie's face when you said Dead Journal was my favorite. I was like, I have no idea what this is. Basically, there's a lot of internet journals out there that are mine, and I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I heard of my sister had a live journal. Um, I had a MySpace and a Facebook. That's it. I may have tried Tumblr when, because I feel like it was my sister who suggested it, and then I was like, I don't know what this is. Same thing with Pinterest. I don't, I still don't quite understand the point of it, so I don't use it. <laughs> like, some stuff is just lost. I barely use Twitter. Instagram and Facebook are what I use now. So, yeah, it was... Good to see Tumblr, which <clears throat> I guess is still the cool thing. Like, I don't know. I guess I could ask some teens. <laughs> they know yeah, me. you know some teens? <laughs> I know some teens. <laughs> my sister, one of my sisters was uh, Tumblr famous. So that was that was a thing. I'm asking. I had one post that got, like, a lot of traction, which was uh, back when... It's 3 a.m. Turn off your computer was like a thing. And I just uh, posted, do you ever think about how sneakers that lace up are just corsets for your feet? (laughs) And that got a lot. And it was just like, it was mostly people I didn't know responding with like gifts of like, turn your computer off and go to bed. (laughs) And then... The worst part, though, was it was, like, like I, I like, hashtag was, like, 3 a.m. shit posting. It was, like, noon. <laughs> on, like, a Tuesday, I think I got out of class and, like, went to the library to type down my deep thought from economics. Oh, man. I had one pop up today on Facebook that I was, like, was I high? Which, it was 8 a.m., so no. But it's, if flossing isn't real, how can love be? And I was, like, what the <laughs> fuck was I talking about? So, flossing? Yeah, I think there was an article that was like, flossing doesn't do as much good as you think it does or something. What? And <laughs> I don't remember. This is from like years ago. <laughs> <laughs> like, what was I on that I posted this? So. <laughs> Thank God we have the memories function to make oh, us yeah. forget what the fuck we were talking about. <laughs> Makes me feel so good about myself most days. So Star has a Tumblr yeah. is why we brought this up. And... One of her best friends has unfollowed her on Tumblr, which is, like, a big thing. Yeah. Like, I get mad at people, and I get mad, and I unfollow people on social media. It's a thing. I'm 30 years old, and I still do this. So. And she also, like, it was after a confrontation between her and that friend about the fact that her Tumblr content had recently skewed toward 
um, more activism like, stuff. Yeah. yeah, like like activism. Like she reposted something about Emmett Till. Yeah. Yes, and the friend uh, was upset about it, but not in the way one should be upset about that. She was upset that she was seeing this stuff on her feed. I don't know what it's called. Yeah. Feed page page feed works. <laughs> yeah. Her Tumblr feed. Um, and thought that like the pictures are there just disgusting. Why would you post these? Like, not oh he was tortured and murdered for allegedly talking yeah. to or trying to talk to a white woman. That whole story with her friend Haley was like the part of the book that I, I kind of appreciated the most. Um. So she has this like white friend Haley, who we find out like through her mom had always kind of bullied her. Like, they talk about how when they were younger and her and her, like, two friends, Maya and Haley from Williamson, would, like, pretend to be the Jonas Brothers. Like, Star really liked Joe, but Haley made her picnic because Haley liked Joe. And then as time goes on, you sort of start to realize that, like, Haley was never really a good person. Mm -hmm. And furthermore, really, it always, it, like, really brought to mind this idea of, like, microaggressions where it's, like, you don't necessarily it's not like it's it's like she's screaming white supremacy or you know saying any like like slurs but she's not treating star the way that she should and it's presumably because star is black she's a good stand-in for a lot of what you hear from white people when things like this happen Mm -hmm. like at one point or when it comes out that cleo was dealing drugs she's like well he was a drug dealer. Like, why should we care? And then later even says like, well, he would have been dead in a few years anyways. And those comments get her punched in the fucking face. Yes. Yeah, they actually do. Which I like, I was ready for it. I was like, just (laughs) yes. So at one point the, the officer who shot Khalil's dad goes on TV and does that interview, which is like my least favorite tactic I've seen on the internet. And um, the officer's dad, the officer's dad does that interview and they're watching it. And Haley's like, well, you know, the officer's life mattered, too. And it's like, well, the officer had a gun and you did. And like Khalil didn't and Star didn't. And it's just. Right. And then they tried to be like, well, there there was there might have been a gun in the car. And she's like, no, there wasn't a gun in the car. And Um, Haley also. They ask if she knew him because they remember birthday parties or whatever where this kid Khalil would come. And Star says that she doesn't because she's trying to keep it under wraps that she was the witness. Um, And I don't think she also feels like she could really talk to her friends about this. I mean, for obvious reasons. Um, But Haley brings it up more than once. Well, you said you didn't know him. So, like, why are you so upset? And... It's like, oh, so you have to personally know the, the the child who was murdered by a cop? Right. Oh, to feel bad. Um, and she also, so of the three friends, it's Star, Haley, and Maya. And Maya is Chinese, and she, there gets to a, a point where Haley just goes off in a huff because Star has called her racist, and she's not racist, and she's not talking until she's she apologizes. Um, but Maya tells Haley, or, or Maya reminds Star about this comment that Haley made after Thanksgiving. She asked if Maya and her family eat cat for Thanksgiving, and she wouldn't apologize for that because it's just a joke. So she really is a good example of a lot of the comments, the microaggressions, and a lot of the comments yeah. that 
some white people make. It was um really so one of the things that this book like reminded me about is that if you're if you're white, it is your job to try to be the best person that you can be and like constantly check yourself and really think about why you think the things that you do. And everything Haley said for me was really, really powerful because I remember when um, Michael Brown was shot down in Ferguson. I'm lucky that I went to liberal arts college and didn't get all that propaganda that Fox News was selling about how he was a drug dealer and he was a bad person. But I went home and my family only watches cable TV and I had to have like an all out argument with them on Christmas about it doesn't matter what that kid did. I don't care if he had an eight ball on him. He's dead and that's not the punishment. That's not how we do things in the United States, ideally. And that's the problem here. It's not that, you know, maybe he should have been arrested. I don't know what happened to him. He shouldn't have been shot dead. No. Cops are not judge, jury, and executioner. And I think that um, there is a tendency among, like, white people to trust police officers because we're told from the time we're kids that we have nothing to fear for not doing anything wrong. And I think that it sort of, like, screws with our understanding of the world to be confronted with this idea that not every police officer is out there to protect and serve. And so we try to find all these ways to justify it, and that's what I felt like Haley was representing, is this weird need to justify because we just can't process the cognitive dissonance of there being a force of these people out there who have guns and authority over us but aren't always looking out for everybody equally and at the end she decides that she can't process that and she doesn't apologize to star for the things that she said like what stephanie brought up where she was like oh he's gonna be dead in a few years anyways and she like refuses to look outside and see that and it rang really true for me because i know a lot of people from my hometown in particular which is predominantly white where they also would never bother to think it through critically in that way mm-hmm. and it I felt like that was the part of the book that was really difficult for me to read because I know that as a young person who wasn't around like a particularly diverse crowd I'm sure I said similar crappy things but also the fact that she she doesn't co- overcome that and star cuts her loose that made me really happy it felt cathartic when star at the end when Haley's like I'm sorry that you're upset with me and star just says whatever it's not that I'm sorry about what I said. It's just I'm upset about how you reacted to it. And Star ends up just deleting her number, deletes the conversation, deletes her number. She's done. It's like, that is a good decision, Star. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a Degrassi, the, the Degrassi that's on Netflix uh, episode where the captain of, I think it's a volleyball team, makes a comment. No, they make a sign that is something about a zoo and equates the uh, opposing team that is primarily made up of of several minority um, and equates to monkeys and they try to explain to her like why this isn't okay and they you know want her to get kicked off the team and all these other things and she tries to apologize a few times and the other team eventually is just like we accept your apology but you still shouldn't play I don't remember exactly what happens but there's a moment where um, they're talking to 
one of the girls on the Degrassi team and she's like, don't you just ever get tired of it? And she's like, what? And she's like, we always have to um, apologize or we always have to accept the apology. We always have to let our feelings slide. And so I, I really like that she doesn't let Haley back in for the same reasons. It's, you know, finally standing for what you believe in, which is really hard to do at 16. Um, it's really hard to cut off a friend in general. So, Especially a friend that she's had for a number of years um, and how they ended up becoming close was because when Star was 10, her good friend Natasha was killed in a drive-by and Haley had lost her yeah. mom. So these two young children were going through intense, intense grief and kind of sort of bonded over it. So they've, all, they've been friends for a number of years as well. So, oh, yeah. just to go back to Natasha. One of the things I loved yeah. about this book was all of the Harry Potter references. Oh my yes. God, me too. <laughs> yes. Khalil, Star, and Natasha were the hood trio tighter than the inside of Voldemort's nose. I oh, died when I saw that. <laughs> but I was like, that's such I a good description. Way, <laughs> yes. Tighter than the... I love the way that she found Harry Potter too. She talks about how her mom bought her the first movie because it was like a dollar at yep. like Goodwill or something. And then her and her friends got into it. Yes. And I love that, um, the bit about how they all want to be Slytherin because all the Slytherins yes. are rich. Which I was like, yes. you know, that makes sense. Um, I see that. I feel that. (laughs) But I also really liked her dad's theory about how it's gangs. Yes, (laughs) that all the Hogwarts have their own gangs, which they do have their own colors and their own hideouts. They don't snitch. Like, (laughs) (laughs) it was amazing. But and it's also like one of those things where so her dad, Big Mav, is like probably my favorite character in the book. And he's, like, not totally off. Like, Harry Potter's <laughs> definitely about a lot of things. And I wouldn't really, like... I don't think it ever occurred to me that it's about gang violence. Like, it's it's also definitely about, like, racism. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> which is why the completely white cast in the movie doesn't necessarily make sense to me. But, um... Well, J.K. Rowling. <laughs> but... Um, well, she did back up, like, when they cast a black woman to play Hermione in, like, the, the Cursed Child. Yes. Yeah. She's, well, like, one okay. of the few people who, like, backed that up. She was like, I never said Hermione was white. I mean, <sighs> the description of her hair, I didn't think she was white at first. Because <laughs> her hair sounded like mine. <laughs> people That's also true. have brought up, like, Harry Potter, also maybe not white. How many white people do you know that have jet black hair? <laughs> Okay. That's true. That's, I was going to say my cousin, like, but who, I was like, wait, she's half Peruvian. <laughs> that's the thing. Like, people have brought up, like, um, there's a really, so my favorite things in fandom are when I see art and it's like, I really like the new movement towards, like, drawing the Harry Potter characters as, like, different races. So I love Black Hermione and I love half Indian Harry Potter. Oh, oh. I like that. Because why else would he have, like, jet black hair but also have green eyes? Like, we know Lily kind of had to be white because there aren't that right. many people with bright red hair that are not white but his dad also had jet black hair mm. i went with japanese not but indian, indian also oh. sounds really good yeah because think about england england's like got a massive indian yes. population oh i like this i really like this and maybe that's also why petunia was not a big fan of his he was magic and he was not white 
Yes. And, and like we know Vernon and Petunia are white. Like we don't oh, really yeah. oh, have definitely. to ask about yeah. that. His name is Vernon. <laughs> and his they named their son Dudley. I really also like the... Why doesn't anybody just shoot Voldemort with a gun? I feel like that's a very dad I mean, thing. Yeah. It is like the most dad thing. Like I could see my dad, like we want us watching these movies and my dad just coming in and being like, who's got a gun? Right. Like, why not just shoot him? Solve this problem and in it's two like, seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Some people have brought that up too. It's like, why didn't, okay. So if he's in with, if, if the minister of magic is in with the prime minister of England, England's got like an elite spec ops force. Like yeah. that could have been done in a few minutes. Yep. And then he would have been dead and you guys could have gone and collected all the horcruxes. Also, why didn't we collect all the horcruxes while the dude didn't have a body? There's so many issues with that book series. Yeah, Anyways. <laughs> Like, if Dumbledore all knew they were there, what was he doing for about 18 years? <laughs> that is what Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them is apparently going to answer is, what has Dumbledore been doing? But I don't <laughs> want to watch it because it's got what's-his-name in it. <laughs> I know. I'm so fucking torn. <gasps> he it's who shall like... not be named who beat the shit out of Amber Heard. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm so torn about how I feel about that. Yep. I saw, I think we got a trailer before something, and I was like, uh. <laughs> on one hand, it looks fantastic. Yeah. On the other hand, fucking Johnny Depp, really? On one hand, Jude Law as young Dumbledore. Fuck, that was nice. Yep. Good and on the other hand, yeah, I'm making a, a, a bad face. Go back to being Colin Farrell. It's a exactly. much better look just... for you. <laughs> Grindelwald, the turn back. Fine. good villain. Yeah, and it's Colin Farrell. I... I'm not mad at that choice. But. I'm okay with that. Yeah. <clears throat> so the hate you give has a lot of Harry Potter references that yes. I really loved. I was just going to say one of them really helps kind of drive home the differences between Star and her friends at this school because after the break, one of them is, compl- Haley's complaining about her parents dragging her and her brother to their house in the Bahamas. And another friend is upset because the, his, his or her parents dragged him to Harry Potter World for the third time. Complains about this. All shit. that butterbeer. <laughs> yes. oh so many wands. Yeah. I still have yet to go to Harry Potter World. Dude, you have to go. It's that's the thing that. <laughs> that's the thing that stuck out to me in this book a little bit, though. So I grew up like. My mom did not have very much money. We got the power turned off all the time. Like I grew up like very minimalist. We'll call it. That's the thing now. <laughs> and I also had friends who would come back from spring break and be like. Ugh, my parents took me to Disney World. I went to Disney World once when I was eight. And that's okay. it. I haven't been since. So for your 30th, we're doing Orlando. Is that what we're deciding right that's now? A do you plan. Do you understand <laughs> how weird it is that I haven't been to Harry fucking Potter World? Same. The closest I got was I had a really rich boyfriend in the ninth grade. His dad was the head of, like, <laughs> like psychiatry for the county hospital and he was like yeah i'll take you guys to uh like universal studios and he got us the exit pass and we ate good every night and i remember being like i asked my dad i was like why can't we do things like that and my dad was like because we make eighteen thousand dollars a year l 
and that shit is expensive. Like, yes. I went to Harry Potter World because I had a friend who got sent down to Orlando to do, to do trainings. And another friend of hers and I, like, we flew down for the weekend. We're like, let's go. We're going to hang out. We're going to go to the park. This is what we're going to do. And this was, and when I talked to Chris about it, um, we were thinking of going together. And he was like, oh, no, if you can go this opportunity, if you want to go, you should go. Because it's cheaper to get you, just one of us down there and cheaper in the park. <laughs> and he was like, right. like he would have gone and had fun. But he was like, uh, we'll save some money. You just go. And it's, it's everything is expensive. <laughs> <laughs> And has gotten more so. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'll go someday. But it's all these, like, beautiful little, like, colorful bits about Star that I really, really loved about her. And that and, like, her, her weird shoe obsession. Oh, she's such I a sneaker I love her shoe obsession. <laughs> there's, there's this bit that I loved the most about it. And it was, like, it stuck out to me. I wish I'd, like, bookmarked it. I didn't take any notes because I was so wrapped up in the story. But my favorite bit that stuck out is she talks about how she has these, like, really intense shoe-cleaning methods. Oh, yeah. Yes. And she talks about how her dad's shoes were sitting there, and she had made this, like, toothpaste and bleach concoction, and they were sitting there, and there was, like, um, saran wrap yep. over them. Mm-hmm. And she's talking about how watching yellow sneakers turn icy again is as yes. satisfying as popping a blackhead and getting all the gunk out. Yes. Yep. And I was like... Oh, that speaks to me on a soul level. I understand exactly what you are talking about, Star. Yes. Um, I also really liked that Chris was also very much a sneakerhead. Like, just more that they had in common. Like, you could see why she feels that she can just be herself around him, except she does come to realize that she is still hiding because she doesn't tell him that she saw Khalil murder. She doesn't say that she's the witness. She doesn't... The only... The way he finds out that she knew him was when these fucking kids, they decide that they're going to protest for Khalil, but it's only so that they can get out of school. They just want to get out of school. So yep. it's, it's actually Haley's brother who starts this. So Star's not going to do it. Everyone leaves. Chris stays with her. And when he realizes why she's so upset, but she still then doesn't take it the next step to tell him that she was there or tell him much about Natasha. Like he doesn't know about Natasha and her witnessing that. Um, but I did like that he's a sneakerhead. He loves the Fresh Prince of Bel Air as well. Like they have these little he things calls that. Her his fresh yes, princess. <laughs> I do love that. So good. Like you can see why she feels so comfortable with him. So I asked, "Is Tumblr still a thing? Like a big deal?" And my brother says, "I don't think so." Mackenzie hasn't looked at it yet, but she's gonna know better. Because if it's not. Xbox or Tedes, my brother doesn't care. This is why I didn't volunteer to text my brothers. <laughs> I'm yeah, telling them to I ask Mackenzie. I'm gonna text my brother. I, I told him to ask Mackenzie. Yeah. I don't have any brothers or sisters. <laughs> I have no one to ask. Oh, where did we leave off? We were talking about her and Chris. Yeah. Star her and Chris. Chris. He's a sneakerhead, Fresh Prince. He raps the Fresh Prince song to her at prom. Yes. Yes. And to make her smile in the beginning. Yes. To get her to stop being mad. So I like that they, it was, the relationship felt, like, fleshed out. Like, we can, I can see why. Especially when she is saying she feels that she can be herself around him. Um, it just made a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I like the, it's, they're not shallow reasons why they bonded but they're very high school reasons yeah. like 
he reblogged her Fresh Prince yep. post on Tumblr, and mm-hmm. I was like, was so yeah, cute. no, I remember these days. Yep. You're liking all my Facebook statuses. This means something. Right. <laughs> and, and then when then you I... stop and you get called out for it, and then you're like, that doesn't mean anything. Bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, you know, their, their like, relationship also is, like, so, so Chris is white, and she was, like, afraid to tell her dad about it. Yep. And I really oh. love that in the end, Chris proves himself worthy of the defense that she gives him. Like, he really shows up and shows out for her and makes it a point to be understanding. I love the conversation she has with her dad about dating him. And then also when the kind of like, I accept you as my girlfriend's boyfriend, he's like, we're going to the boxing ring. And he's like, what did I do? (laughs) Excuse me. You mean plain ass Chris, plain ass ass Chris. Yes. Um, But no, I, I, it was, I mean, I cried pretty much through this entire book both times, but there's a moment where star and her dad, or I don't remember exactly what they're doing, but he's like, when I saw that you're dating a white guy, they always say that who your daughter dates is kind of a reflection on the dad. And he was like, I, I just, did I screw up? Was I such a terrible person that you now swear off all black guys? And like my heart just kind of broke because at no point a star like woe is me, but they weren't, they lived in the projects at one point. Her dad did go to jail for something that he didn't do, but he took the blame for because he wasn't a gang. Then she saw one of her best friends get shot at 10 and they live in a not great neighborhood. Like, Neighborhood which his, her mom has been wanting to get them out of for a very long time, and he has been very adamant yes. about not doing that. And so I can the moment that like you kind of understand that everything that this dad worried about is very legit, and and she's like, what did he says? I just wanted to prove like that I was a good black guy or black man I, I can't remember she's like no you showed me like what a great man period is and, and, and it's just a great moment I wish I had written it they're like highlighted it or something but I think I remember he was like did I give you a bad example of what a black man is and she was like no you gave me a great example of what a man is yes and that that really that that rung for me too that like I felt kind of sad that her dad felt so insecure at that moment, especially because Big Mav was my favorite character. And I really, I thought that that was such a beautiful, everything with her and her dad really just like broke my heart a little bit and her and her mom. Yeah. So her mom is fucking fantastic. And I love the entire relationship, but her mom gets pregnant at 18 with star and attempts to go to college with, a baby and I think seven is also in the picture yeah. seven's not her child but I think he is around enough to the point that she's seriously considering dropping out of college um, before and Khalil's grandmother offers to watch the kids for free yeah. and and her mom is now a nurse and is working 
at the clinic in the neighborhood and also by the end of the book it's head of pediatrics yeah she's like manager or something like that yeah at a really nice hospital yeah, yeah. um which i love she's now making six figures and <laughs> sakani's like mom's a millionaire and they're like six figures yeah. dude like, it's still a he's lot. such an eight-year-old <laughs> he is such an eight-year-old yeah Oh my god, my favorite thing is every time somebody swears and Sakani's like, dollar! Because <laughs> they have a, they have that deal where whenever his dad swears in front of him, he gets to put a dollar in the jar. Right. This kid is like, he's like the IRS. He is yes. here to collect. Yes. It's amazing. Everybody's crying, somebody's dead, and Khalil's like, dollars for me right now. Yep. Come on, <laughs> cough him up, dad. Oh. So. Seven... They share the same dad, Star and Seven. His mom is in a relationship with King, who is head of is the the King Lord of, or is it that the name of the gang? His name is King, but he is the leader of the King Lords. (laughs) Right. His family knew what they were doing when they named him. Yes. (laughs) There's like the two gangs. There's the Garden Disciples and the King Lords, and I guess Big Mav took the fall for king and that's why he went to prison but it was like right. an exchange so he could get out of the king lords right yep. if king already had two strikes against him so a third would have that would have been it so he took that hit and that was what that was why king let him out basically when he got out right because um, big mav is his dad was an original king lord so yes. an OG, like, as they say but when yeah. he was in prison he was so. there with his dad yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. So. But he um. And he he cheats on Lisa, Star's mom, with Aisha. King's not just girlfriend. cheats, buys her for a night. Right, like King tells <laughs> okay. Aisha like, to hook him up. This is when they were fighting. Him and Lisa were fighting, and yes. <laughs> King's like tells Aisha, even though that was his girlfriend, to go hook Mav up. And she does, and she gets pregnant with seven. And there's some some really interesting family ties that go on there. So there's like Star and her younger brother Sakani are they have the same mom and dad. Seven is Big Mav's son with somebody else, but Lisa pretty much has accepted him into the family. Oh, definitely. Right. She there's I and, like, and that's one of the most wonderful parts of the book yes. for me. Like but no... not only does she, she also accepts, like Kenya and and the younger one, I can't remember her name. Don't lyric. necessarily. Thank you. I went to elementary school with a lyric. <laughs> they don't necessarily stay with um, Star's family, but like the way Seven does. If they come around, they're going to get fed, kind of right. thing. Like it's it's like cousins almost. Right. Like Lisa's a damn saint. And then you yes. have the dynamic between Kenya and Star, who are the same age, and Star is Aisha's son or Aisha's yeah. daughter with King. Yes. So there's this weird family tie there, and I love there's this whole thing where Kenya always refers to Seven as my brother, and Star feels weird about it until the very end when they sort of have a confrontation about it, and it's actually one of my favorite conversations in the book. So you've got Kenya who lives in Garden Heights and is this version of 
a girl from her, uh, Garden Heights that Star feels like she can't be around her friends from her prep school. And when she's around Kenya, she's a little bit different. And yet she and Kenya share this older brother that they both really, really love. And in the end, Kenya sort of talks about how she was always a little bit jealous of the fact that Star kind of got the good family. And how Seven always really wanted to be with her family rather than the way that he sort of feels responsible for Kenya and his little sister Lyric. And then Kenya even straight up says, like, Star, I always felt like you were ashamed of us. And that was really, really tough, but I felt like that was the moment for me when you, you sort of see that moment of, like, Star has accepted these different parts of herself and integrated them into herself. And she says, maybe I used to be ashamed, but I'm not anymore. And I cried a lot. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> because there's something around that part, too, where she says something out of all of this, I did at least gain, like, one good thing, and that's Kenya. So that was yeah. really nice. Like, she... Because Kenya is the one that drags her to the party in the beginning. Right. So. Right. Um, and she's also the one who she says, she basically confronts Star and she's like, so you're the, it, they're saying you're the witness. The Khalil I knew would have been out in front of the T. He would have been telling everybody exactly what happened to you and you're not doing for that, doing that for him. Why? And that's um, what encourages Star to start the Tumblr the, about the Khalil I knew and its pictures and you know stuff like that from when they were kids and everything. Um, and kind of what part of what gets her going to to be ready to speak out. Yeah. Um, although I do like when she says something to to Kenny like you went off on me and Kenny's like I didn't go off on you. <laughs> if I had, you would know. <laughs> You'll know. <laughs> yeah. I but like Kenny a lot. I did too. And she's like, she texts her, she's like, I did this. And then Kenya's like, yeah, it's a start. It's like, okay. I believe what she says is, it's I. That's, yeah, that's what she says. Uh, And Kenya is, go ahead. Her and Star know each other so well that Star's just like, that's the best compliment I'm going to get out of her. I know I did something good. (laughs) Um, Kenya is dating Devante. Which, Mm, is she dating him? Well, she likes Devante. I took it as because. Well, he goes. I took it. I thought they were dating no, no, towards no. the end. Kenya likes him, and this other girl, Danasia, likes him, and Kenya wants well, to I beat the that. shit out of Danasia. Yep. But I feel I thought by the end that they there was something. Oh, maybe by the end there was like an inkling, but I don't think they were dating. Because I thought se. he went to protect her in part. Because he goes back to Garden Heights. Oh, gosh, I can't remember now. No, he goes no. back to Garden Heights in the end. That that whole thing is because he wants to see his brother. Yeah. Oh, okay. And Who then she calls Seven and tells him. Because Devante stole $5,000. He's a king lord. He stole $5,000 from King to get his family, his mom and his sister, out of town. Uh, because King wants him to kill the guys who killed his brother at the party at the beginning. And he doesn't want to do that. Right. So he doesn't come clean with Big Mav about why King is why he's hiding from King. First, he just says the part about how King wants him to kill the guy, other guys, and he doesn't want to do it. So he's helping him. He's like letting him work in the store, hiding him at their house, and then he finds out that the real reason there was more to it that he stole that much money from King. So he brings him out to the suburbs to stay with Carlos, um, Star's uncle. I was gonna say Common. <laughs> yeah, Common. Uncle to Common. Stay with Common. <laughs> 
Uncle um, Common. And then... Who I just pictured as... I couldn't not picture him as Common the whole time. He's so perfect. Um, and then Devante's missing, and they're looking for him. He went, he wanted to go, you know, visit his brother's grave, and then before he could get back Dalvin. out to the suburbs... What's... Hmm? Dalvin was his brother's name. Right. I just... I remembered all the names for some I reason. could not remember. I was like, I don't nope. remember the, the members That's of awesome. Jodeci. <laughs> that's one of my favorite moments is when they um so this is like an an aside on this but they're after they go to get Devante, who's Mm -hmm. been had the shit kicked out of him they get caught up in the riots after they find out that the police officer who killed khalil is not going to be indicted and they're sitting in the car and chris is with them and they're all making fun of chris for being white and being like is macaroni and cheese a meal (laughs) and chris is like yeah comes out of a box and they're like no it doesn't no and then chris goes well can i ask you guys a thing about being black why do you guys all have weird names and they first of all are like that's fucked up that you think it's they're all weird names and second of Mm -hmm. all but then they kind of rib on each other but Devante's like what's weird about Devante?" and seven's like you're named after a member of jodeci (laughs) And then this is the best part. Yes. Devante is like, your name is Seven. What's your middle name? Eight. <laughs> I think even Devante's like, there's like five Devantes in our neighborhood. Yes. He's like, it's not that uncommon. But I loved that about, yeah. what's your middle name? Eight. I died. Yeah. <laughs> Everything they said to each other. Yes. Um, but um, so when the cake lords pick up Devante... Kenya basically calls Seven and says, they got him, he's at our house. And so Seven, Star, and Chris go to get him, and they sneak in, and they're about to get him out when Aisha catches them, uh, Seven's mom, who he had just gone off on, like he went off on her a few weeks prior at his birthday graduation party uh, because he invited his grandmother on his mom's side but didn't invite her. And he basically goes off about how she's, not there for him ever you know she chooses king over him he tried to defend her when king was hitting her one of the first times and she threw him out and blah 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 so i think i have to find it but aisha basically she helps them but she doesn't say that she's helping them she's like you know what you need to get Devante out of here he's bleeding on my carpet like i'm just want to go back to my party just just go um and she also says, like, take your little sisters and with take, you. Yes, take yeah, I don't want to deal with them tonight. Right. Yeah. She says, I'm trying to get my party on. Right. So, and Seven takes her at her word that she just wants to party, whereas Star gets it. Like, as they're leaving, um, Star can see out to the back, and King is about to get up, but Aisha kind of, like, gets him to sit back down and, like, dances in front of him, but she kind of, like, looks back towards the door she doesn't think, Star doesn't think she can see her, but then she realizes that that's not who she's looking for. She's looking to see her kids one more time. Um, and then Star basically has to break it down for Seven. Like, no, your mom is not just trying to party. She's getting you and your sisters and Devante. She's helping us, but she also knows what King is going to do when he sees that Devante is missing. And who is she going to take right. it out on? He, she, he can't take it out on your sisters if they're gone. That's why she made you take them. And King does take it out on her. I think she ends up in the hospital with a concussion maybe this time. She does, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, because we established before that King beats the shit out of Aisha and has also pushed Kenya and threatened violence against... She has a younger sister. They don't mention how old Lyric is, but she's small enough that Kenya carries her out. Yeah. Yeah. 
So she's got to be, like, at least five. And then Seven himself spends all of his time with his dad's family because he's also been on the receiving end of King, who's very violent. Right. Anthony Mackie is going to play King in the movie. Not and I, I pictured. I, no. I am here for it because I, most things I've seen him in are like a joking or action kind of role. But also, I really fucking love him. And I'm just like, I don't want you playing this like villain character. No, you're a bad guy. <laughs> yes. And it also felt weird because Anthony Mackie is like, one, he's like got those high cheekbones. He's like so beautiful. <laughs> But he's also so, like, life. And she describes King as being, like, big. He's supposed to have fat rolls on his neck. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He's supposed to be kind of, like, like, overweight. Bigger. (laughs) And then so when I saw Anthony Mackie and I was like, Anthony Mackie, really? Like, I don't know if I would necessarily have cast (laughs) him, but. It'll be fun. No, it won't be fun because I'm going to solve through this entire movie. It's going to hurt. Devante serves as kind of a catalyst because Big Mav is all about getting him out, mm-hmm. which Lisa ki- finally oh. goes yes. off deservingly about like, you're getting this kid, this basically stranger out of this neighborhood and yet not our family. Right. You know, Valid she's been point, pushing Lisa. for <laughs> Yeah, and and I can understand his desire to... He wants to stay to prove that he can, can stay fixed. and fix it. And that, like, if he leaves, it's like he's giving up. And... I mean, I get it. That's a hard thing to come to terms with. Um, which is why at the end, when... So, wait, let's not get there yet, but uh, they do end up moving out into a nice, nicer neighborhood. Um, but they specifically pick one that's more diverse, too. Yes, yes they're yes. not moving into not Carlos's like neighborhood. Not quite like Uncle Carlos's, yeah. Right. We should probably talk a little, about, a little bit about Uncle Common. Yes. <laughs> he's also a really interesting and great character, where yes. he's this, he's her mom's older brother, He's a detective with the police force, and he lives in this big house with his wife, Pam, and his kids, and he was kind of Star's dad when she was little because Star's actual dad, Big Mav, was in prison, so they have this really close relationship, and he gets put on leave when he finds out that the other police officer also pointed his gun at Star, and he's also like he's up there in my list of characters too in this book i thought yeah. he was he hits that officer he hits 115 like <laughs> star thinks he yeah. got put on leave just because they're related just because of her um because she sees like a look between him and in her mom and she knows they're not telling her something um and then and he's got bruised knuckles right and during 115's dad's interview he says that his son has been attacked verbally and physically at work and then she realizes Oh shit, Uncle Carlos hit him and he did. And he's the only person she tells for a long while that the police officer turned his gun on her. Mm-hmm. Yep. Her and up until that point, he'd been trying to sort of protect his own. Yeah. Kind and of. say, like, you yeah. know, I think he's a nice yeah. Okay, he was yeah, it's also that... pointing out that Khalil was a, possibly a drug dealer, which mm-hmm. um because she overhears him talking to her parents one night and he's like, Well, if 
uh, if he feared for his life, he might be a drug dealer, blah, blah, blah. To which Maverick's like, why does he think that he is a drug dealer without knowing him? Answer that. Like, because he's black. Right. So. um, She even asks, like, if it had been you that night, mm -hmm. would you have shot him? And at first he's not able to answer her or can't give a firm answer. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of, yeah, a wake up call for him to realize that, you know, you got to supporting police officers, but also recognizing that there are some serious problems that need to be fixed. Right. Is, is, you know, is a feeling you can have. So. He also knows about Chris. <laughs> Cause Chris lives in his dad. neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. Um, I um, really enjoyed that when Chris comes over and Maverick's because Maverick never goes. He never goes with them to Carlos's house. And when they bring Devante, obviously he brings him, you know, so he's, right. I loved when Maverick's looking at him. He's like, OK, all y'all talking about like this kid has been here before. What am I missing? Like he very like he's not dumb. He's picking up on everything. And I love. How yeah. Just, yeah. She does get the guts. And, she, you know, she says he's my boyfriend and. Um, I like how her grandmother's like, yeah, he's her boyfriend. Like, just just get over it. Like, how you doing, Chris? And Chris is just like, hi. <laughs> Everybody's like, how you doing? And, yeah. and Big Mav is like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. I love that the grandmother, I loved the grandmother. Mm. But you also learned that the grandmother had some serious issues growing up with the, while they grew up. Yeah. Um, she's an alcoholic. And she would t- take it out on her kids when she got very drunk. But, and she also kicked Lisa out when she got pregnant, which mm-hmm. is why it took me a long time to realize that that is her mother that she has forgiven. Yes. <laughs> but, and so, also, uh, they live in her that. house. Oh, oh that's sorry, right. Yes. I forgot that, that their house was her house, that they moved her out to live with Carlos. Yeah. I did like to... Um, I think it's one of the first times when they go to Carlos's house, um, the grandmother's trying to speak to, to Lisa, you know, covertly. And she's when she can finally get away from Carlos and his wife, she's like, when are you getting me out of here? <laughs> yeah. When are you bringing me home? <laughs> yes. She was a, a drama teacher. Okay. So everything she does is incredibly dramatic. And um, I love the scene when after they buy that or they put a down payment on the house and they take the kids for the first night and they have dinner and Big Mav is praying and his and, and Lisa interrupts and is like, I just she wanna say does. something really quick. Yeah, she never does and she's like Um Give us this uh, something about redoing the basement yeah. to basically be a suite for her mom to come live with and he's yes. like, No, no Jesus, you don't need to do that. Yes. <laughs> she's like, she Yes, Jesus. Because she gave it's them It's so good she's like <laughs> She gave them the money to put, I think from her retirement or something. Yes. She went in and gave them money for the down payment. And she wants to thank, bless her for that. And then, you know, give them the ability to redo the basement so she can stay. And it's a good back and forth of him being like, no, Jesus. And she's like, yes, Jesus. Just back and forth for a little while. <laughs> like, no, yes. It's so um, well done. He's like, no, Jesus. Like, amen. Yes. Trying to end it. <laughs> like God didn't hear any of this. Yeah. <laughs> so good. <laughs> but she also, I like the conversation between Star and her mom 
when they talk more about everything that happened with Aisha and Seven and how Lisa's like, you know, your grandmother doesn't know this, but she is the reason why I forgave him is because of her experience with her mom being an alcoholic and she would do things and then apologize for them. And that Lisa learned very early on that you have to decide if you're going to forgive someone. So she did decide to forgive Maverick. Um, but she, I like that she said that Seven is not a mistake. I thought that I... I loved yeah. that very much, that she does not see Seven as a mistake. Yes, his actions maybe have been a, been a mistake, but Seven was not a mistake. And that she loves him. She loves it. She clearly loves him just as much as she loves her biological children. And he loves her as well. Like, he calls her Ma. as Like, he doesn't yes. call her Lisa. Um, it's really sweet. I mean, yeah. they get a house with a room for him. Oh, like, yeah. it, she doesn't have to care about this child at all. It's... Right. I love blended families where people like can prove that really uh, love is not just blood. It's wonderful. Everyone gets along. Um, Yeah. So the, where was it going to go? Should we talk about Khalil? Yes. I was going to say, we need to start getting towards that, the Khalil and the, yeah. the shooting and all everything that happened like there. We've skirted around that a lot. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, so he is one of her childhood best friends. His grandmother took or like babysat star in her star in seven while her mom was going to college and he was also there a lot of the time because uh, his mother is addicted to heroin, I believe. Crack, I believe. Oh, okay. Um, he so yeah, frequently he was also a kind of a staple at the Carter house. They would feed him. Um, there was talk of like there's a birthday picture of him eating cake and like he ate so much cake and pizza because it made himself sick, but it was probably the only like good meal. <clears throat> that he got that week. And so Star really wrestles with the fact that like his mom he he has essentially lost his mother to addiction. She's still alive, but she's not around. Yeah. And she could not grasp why he would start selling drugs if drugs had torn his life apart that much. And also she thinks becoming a king lord as well Um, right that and the two things together selling the drugs um because she i think she does start to ask him so when they're at that party there's a shooting we find out later it's Devante's brother but the party like they run away you know khalil grabs her gets her in his car and he's gonna take her home or to the store he's gonna you know he's taking her somewhere um she does make a comment about how he listens to that old music by Tupac. It's just like, okay, child, old music. <laughs> um, and I think she starts to ask him, like, because she can tell, like, he's got new clothes, like, he's very put together. Like, she can just tell, like, he clearly has money. Where is this money coming from? Because he also used to work at the store, but stopped working at the store. So where are you getting money from? But they don't actually get to have that conversation because then they get pulled over. Um, yeah. He actually is the one the first time that we hear The Hate You Give. Um, he's talking about that old artist Tupac and <laughs> what he said that thug life means. The hate that you give little infants fucks everybody and he's explaining that to her. 
Um, so I, I kind of like, actually, I think they might, do they talk about that at the party or are they, when they're in the car? Um, in the car. Yeah. Car. It comes up a few times, but yeah. Yeah. But that is the first time is him talking to her about it. Um, Which is, of course, where the title of the book comes from. Right. The, the thug part of thug life. <sighs> yeah. So Khalil is, there's also like a little bit of a complicated thing where Khalil is her first crush. Yeah. And I think she says her first kiss. Yes. And yeah. from the moment like he shows up in the book, you get a sense that there's like a little bit of something there and it's really really sweet and so then you're having this really normal teenage interaction where she's like I have a boyfriend but I'm kind of thinking about this other guy she's also mad at her boyfriend at the time (laughs) and then it gets completely torn off the rails by this scene yeah so she talks about how at 12 her parents set her down and had two conversations with her one was the birds and the bees, and the other is what you do when a cop pulls you over, which is essentially do everything that they ask, don't make any sudden movements, keep your hands visible, you only speak yep. when they speak to you. And yeah. Cleo breaks basically every rule. Yeah. Um, he starts immediately questioning, like, why did you pull me over? And kind of grumbling when giving the, the registration and license over. Uh, he gets pat down three times. Mm-hmm. No, he gets yanked out of the car, too. He gets told to get out of the car. Yes. So he's getting out with his arm, with his hands up, and he gets pulled out the rest of the way. And then the pat down um, three times, just to be sure. Then he leans over to check on Star, and that's when he gets shot twice is it twice three times okay and then the cop turns his gun on star and doesn't take it off her until someone else until police officers and ambulances show up because at this point her instincts to stay in the car and you know because she's also when he's ordered out she's ordered to keep her hands on the dashboard of course her friend gets shot she runs you know gets out and runs around to him and then one, one. Yes. I don't think we explained. One fifteen is his badge number. One of the other things that her parents told her was to oh, yeah. remember his name, remember the person, the, the cop's face, their name, their badge number. Remember as many details as you can. So she refers to him as one fifteen throughout the book, which I liked. It's yeah. uh, dehumanizing him, which I think is a good, not good, is a coping mechanism in a way. Um, so she watches the news for a few days and at no point does it ever, it doesn't hit more than just like a quick blurb on the news. Um, like her friends don't know anything about it. Like, right. It hasn't blown up. Until Khalil died, but yeah. Uh, and then it, until his funeral, when, uh, the activists start getting in and they decide to, March because he was unarmed you know they don't pretend like this is the first shooting like everything that has happened Trayvon and it exists this is taking place in the world where this bubbling up 
anger is, is happening and, and trying to make sure that they do peaceful things rather than riots. Right. And so they decide to march she after his... Um, yes, the, at the funeral, yeah. Yes, April Ofra with Just Us for Justice. That's where she announces that he was unarmed because the media has talked about suspected gangbangers, suspected drug dealer was shot, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, they're, they're not talking about that. That's a, main, a big thing that they don't want people to know is that he was, in fact, unarmed. Um, also at the funeral, um, when King... And Aisha and some other king lords show oh. up. <sighs> they come in and they have a gray, I think it's a gray bandana. Uh, and they go to lay it on him. And that's the way that they honor dead king lords. It's basically like, okay, you're dead, but you're still repping your crew. You've got your colors. Um, which his grandmother flips the fuck out on them, which I was like, yes, lady. But yes. Um I thought that was very interesting the way because of course that you know they show up after like the sermon like they show up in the middle of it it's not like it was the very beginning they showed up to make a right. scene on purpose and it's just like oh my god i hate you right <laughs> and then later on we find out it was because king asked khalil to join and khalil said no i'm gonna right. work off what my mama stole from you yes. and then yeah, she owed him go a back debt. to my life from her addiction she owed him a debt and that's that's what he was trying to do but just like why so just to save face that's why he shows up with that stupid bandana at the party Cleo asks uh, or mentions that he needs to talk to Big Mav uh, yes. presumably about getting out or how to get right. away kind of thing so and his grandmother does yeah. when they go visit her right after she says that he saw Big Mav as his father you know and that he did want to talk to him to try to get out um, and that he loves Star, you know, Star was his best friend, even though, because Star feels very guilty that they had lost touch. Um, like, she, like, his grandmother has cancer. She didn't know that. Um, she had been fired from her job at the hospital. And that's. At the hospital. Right. Oh. Right. And that's part of why. So his mom owes this debt to King and then also this other stress, you know, to keep a roof over his grandmother's head. And that's why he turned to it. So. And he says, I got sick of picking between lights and eating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because Devante is a king lord. And he's the one who tells Star that um, Khalil wasn't. Um, Where is it? And he explains the whole thing about the debt that his mom owed. And that's what he was working for. And Star is still trying to wrap her head around everything. And... I like that Devante's like, listen, nobody likes selling drugs. I hated it, but I hate, hated seeing my mother and my sisters go hungry. So the choices you have to make. And it's like a little bit of a reminder to Star that even she can't judge them because she comes from a family that takes care of her in a way that a lot of her friends and peers in Garden Heights don't have. Right. She even comments at one point of like, no matter how thin it got, she always at least had, you know, food and support. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Um, so the police call her down because she did witness this to get her side of the story. Um, 
and basically all they want to talk about is Khalil and basically trying to she feels that they're trying to justify why he shot Khalil yep and trying to sort of put words in her mouth like yes was he being combative or irate or you know did and then they also ask if like after they get through that stuff they do ask like does he you know sell drugs and and then they ask if she's drinking at the party and her mom is there and her mom's like, um, are you putting her and Khalil on trial or the officer who shot him? And they seem to not be ready for that type of a response, but. Yeah. Yeah. Basically anything they could do to discredit right. Star. Right. And, and there's so much misinformation about him. They call him suspected drug dealer on the TV, that interview uh, that the cop's dad gives where he talks about how the... The kids were cussing him out, and it's like... Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that leads her to kind of having her own interview as well, where they don't ever show her face, but she gives her side of the story. And I think this is where she announces that he turned his gun on her. Yes, because her parents are there, and look pissed off because like you know angry because yeah. they didn't know only only her uncle yeah. knew that um, and because uh, she was told not to tell something and she decides to dive in and then uh, to basically get to yeah. the point where she was like he turned his gun on me the attorney from and just us for justice told her not to go into him selling drugs and she was like wait if they knew the the true story like why he would have turned to it because by then she knows he wasn't a king lord um, but that he was selling drugs so she does answer the question you know she says she gives the reason why that he was trying to help his mother Um, she does what she she calls dry snitching like basically Mm -hmm. alluding to king but not saying his name Um, whereas the guy Mr. Lewis who has the barbershop next to her dad's shop he went on TV a little bit before yeah. that and called King out by his name and that, you know, just... Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which, God bless him. He's like, I went to two wars and yeah. they didn't kill me and right. uh, this this punk is not going to kill me. Yeah. And they do eventually go and try to uh, beat him up and yeah. probably worse. He's like, it took five guys. Yeah, And King five only guys. came in after he was down. Right. Um, oh and after she does her interview that's when they have the prom and Chris is being super distant and not talking to her because he saw the interview and yeah let's make this all about you yeah (laughs) protected white guy like not about your girlfriend who saw a good friend get murdered (laughs) like Like, maybe because she didn't want to talk about it like the correct reaction would have been for him to be like Hey, so this happened. Not let me ignore you and then get mad at you. Yes. Yeah. But something I yeah, did I'm like go about... through the motions of the prom. Like, I'm yeah. Go through those motions. We're gonna go. I'm gonna be a dick to you and not really talk to you, and then ask if you want to go take some fucking pictures. <sighs> the first time yeah. I read it, I was a little bummed she didn't just dump his ass there. But yeah. The second I mean, time, I was like, I guess you're 16. <laughs> yeah. And. But I feel like. I get that it's frustrating when your partner doesn't talk to you, but sometimes you have to realize that it's not about you. Yes. You know, people will come to you in their own time. Right. But I also feel like Chris does a really good job after the fact being like, hey, you're right. I'm really sorry. Yes. Yeah. Like, that's the thing I like about Chris yeah. is he's not perfect, but he definitely um, 
learns from his mistakes and tries. Yeah. Right. He, make, he and, clearly makes an effort. And he's not trying in the sense of, like, to win brownie points. Like, it's right. not a look at me, I'm trying kind of thing. It's like a legit feel of, like, he wants to help as much as possible. Right. And also, he, after that, when they're at his house alone making out and she basically says that she just wants to have sex and he's like no because you're not in a good place and I was like yes Chris yeah. you are learning <laughs> good job <laughs> and he really really loves her I think is the thing that I, I thought was so yeah. sweet about it yeah yeah you kind of have to to go through the riots yeah for someone yeah. but um, after Mr. Lewis goes on TV to call out King, um, Big Mav is, is basically like, what are you doing? Like, you ridiculous old man. And it's not like a really angry confrontation, but it's enough to draw police attention. Yeah. And Star is, she doesn't see cops as, as protectors and they end up putting her dad on the ground in handcuffs and this just like it it was one of those moments of is this where they're trying to get back at her because she's trying to talk against them or is this just another moment of brutality that's unnecessary brutality uh, and when they say and his name Sakani oh, oh yeah, yeah. Just when they they make him show his ID because they're him and Mr. Lewis are they're arguing and then the cops come up and they both immediately are just like nope everything's fine even because even though they're disagreeing they're like nope we don't want to have this conversation with you guys we're fine yeah um, and Star notices that where her dad keeps his hands and Mr. Lewis does the same thing so maybe his parents had the same talk with him um, but when they take. Maverick's ID and say his name the two cops look at each other and she's like oh they know Carter they know it's me I'm the witness and they're doing this because of that um, and yeah, then when we find out later about her yes when we find out later about her uncle and everything too it's like oh so there was a little more to it that yeah. she didn't know at the time but and Sakani has to get the talk then of yeah. you know Even though he's what to do around cops which is heartbreaking but then right um, after that talk um maverick tells seven to teach sakani how to do something on the register and he's immediately like oh man because he knows once you learn how to do stuff in the store you get put to work <laughs> yes yes oh there's so many and that's the thing this book is so heavy but so interspersed with like such good moments of levity yes, yes. like the silly little brother and this Oh, God, it's just so good. Yeah. Like, I think it's when... So, there's a drive-by on their house, and someone throws a brick through, throws a, a brick through the window. And Car they call Carlos, he comes over, but Maverick also calls some Cedar Grove king lords, which, I guess, like a different sect, sort of. Um, they basically come to help guard the house and him and Carlos get into it because Carlos is like, what the hell? You didn't call the police? No. Why would he call the police? Um, right. He thinks then, the police could have been the people that did yeah. it. Right. It very well could have been. We don't know. Right. Um, but then they kind of like squash everything, come to an understanding. This is more important. 
Um, but then the next day is when Haley is at school talking very reckless about Khalil and gets punched in the face and gets beat up <laughs> by Star. Yes. And her brother, like, Haley's brother comes over and <gasps> calls grabs her a star. bitch. He started to, but then Seven came and was like, oh no. <laughs> was like, was oh like, my God. It was so good. I would have thrown a punch too. Yeah. Um, and so they. The co- <laughs> I love the parents when it's like. She's like, I'm going to translate parents speak for yes. you, which is, we don't approve of what you did, but I would have done the same thing. And you're yeah. not in trouble. Right. Just but go work in the store. We also, yeah, <laughs> but we also anyway. can't not punish you. <laughs> right. Um, but they so they get suspend, suspended, so they have to leave school early, obviously. And when the mom brings them home, they have, the Maverick has the Cedar Grove King Lords and the Garden Disciples meeting at their yes. house. And he's telling them that basically they need to get their people under control so that they don't burn down and destroy their own neighborhood. Um, and is that when I... Because at some point before that, I think, King threatens Star, sort of. Like, he comes to Maverick, and he's like, where's Devante? And um, by then, Devante's at Uncle Carlos's house. So Maverick makes up a lie that he asked me for some money. I said he had to work for it. I gave it to him up front, and now he's not showing up for work. Like, that's it. Um, Right. But then King says something to him about how star needs to know when to keep her mouth shut about things and blah 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 and i think it's after that and then after the him getting the two gangs to meet and agree because they do agree to try to keep their people under control that he says something to to lisa about how he's going to get them out of this neighborhood that they're going to move and she basically is like forget the dishes they go into their bedroom and all of a sudden like the tv is blaring or the music is blaring I was dying. And Sakani's <laughs> so, like, yes. what's happening? Yeah. Whereas Star is like, if she ends up with a fetus in her uterus, I am just done. Like, I can't eat it. <laughs> I, I love think, it. I don't, know, I don't know if it's her or Seven. It's like, they're too old for this. And I'm like, they're, they're like 36 years old. Yeah, they're yes. not Shut too old. Up. I think it was Seven was like, ew. <laughs> oh. There's a couple moments like that with Seven in particular. Like, um, so when Chris and Star are making up at prom, and they're oh, in the yeah. car, and Seven finds them, and his girlfriend yes. Layla's like, Seven, get over it. Come on, let's leave. And Seven yells, right. if she pushes out a baby Chris in nine months, we're gonna have a problem, partner. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, oh. Geez, Seven. I think Layla says something to him like, I feel like at some point during one of these confrontations, Layla says something like, come on, because, like, or else you're not going to get any or something like that. Like, she. Oh, probably. Yeah. If we like just leave them alone. Like, what are you know? Come on. He's not that much older than her. (laughs) Um, There's also the the whole basketball game (laughs) where uh, they're watching the I think it's the playoffs. And right before the drive-by. Their family's divided on who to cheer for, which is always just makes a good time. I have the best picture yes. of my brother at a Falcons-Giants game because my mother's a Falcons fan and my stepdad and, and younger brother are Giants fans. And I tend to lean towards Giants too. But uh, the Falcons murdered the Giants. It was like 40-something to zero. Mm-hmm. And I have this picture after a touchdown of my mom cheering and my brother like yelling <laughs> and it's... <laughs> my favorite thing and that's all i could think of with this because 
you know, they're all, uh, like every other sports fan, it's all about the superstitions and making sure you're doing the exact same thing and wearing the exact same stuff. And she talks about like the position she sits in Mm -hmm. and how she won't eat ice cream. Yes. And her mother's like (laughs) (laughs) Like eating all this ice cream. (laughs) I love that she's sitting and she's like, I have my right hand over my head, holding my ear, my thumb over my mouth. And my, my other favorite thing is another Sakani moment. She's like, me and my dad root for this team and my mom and my brother root for this team. And Sakani roots for whoever's winning. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> like an eight-year-old. <laughs> yep. So she has to go in front of a grand jury. Yeah. Um, which she almost doesn't do. But they... Seeing all these people set aside their, you know, the territory wars and her father and uncle setting aside things, it, it kind of shows her, like, how important her speaking up is so she goes to the grand jury and i really like that we don't really see what happens yeah because it's it's kind of the start of it and then it cuts to i think five weeks later yeah i think so something like that yeah because it's a while for them to reach a decision yeah it's like 13 weeks later before they make a decision and during all this is when like seven graduates from high school his birthday party and not prom. Um, something else happens. It, life goes on, basically. Mm-hmm. And they are going to look for Devante when the verdict comes out. And the first time I read this, I wanted so much for him to be found guilty. Me too. But I knew deep in my heart that if they found him guilty it would downplay the book and so it broke my heart when when they they announced that the cop they did not find the cop guilty but it is also the most realistic thing that could happen unfortunately i don't think a cop has been found guilty yet and Star's done. She's like, I did all the right things. I jumped through all the hoops. And it was for nothing. And I, the first time I was on a train to Pennsylvania, or to Philadelphia, and the woman next to me was like giving me tissues as I'm like sobbing uncontrollably. Because what do you do? You know, she's literally done everything she can and... It wasn't enough. So she decides to join the protests and ends up getting on a car. Sorry? Uh, Seven, he, when it gets announced, so they're all in the car. It's her, Seven, Chris, and Devante. And Seven's like, you know what? Whatever. Star, whatever you want to do, I'm down. You say the word. And Chris is like, what? (laughs) And Star's like, I, she said they gave me the hate and now I want to fuck everybody even if I don't know how so she says she wants to do something protest riot she doesn't care Chris is like what do you mean riot um, but he stays he stays with them the whole time yeah. mm-hmm. and they do join the protests or they do end up cause something gets set on fire I think it's a McDonald's that someone throws 
Yes. Um, like Molotov cocktail in two. And that's when she's like, oh, this, we can't be here. We got to get out of here. Um, and then they run into the um, Just Us for Justice group protesting. Which, so it's a McDonald's and a pawn shop. Yeah. And Devante is happy. And Star's like, you cannot be happy for destruction. And he's like, that pawn shop fucked over my parents. That McDonald's didn't pay my mother anything. And again, it's just this great moment of like different outlooks of what's going on Mm -hmm. and understanding, you know, being done and wanting revenge. And so, yeah, they end up finding the justice for justice for justice and she fires. So the woman who was running it, what has acted as her lawyer pro bono mm. and she's like fire me yeah so she like, does i have to call your mom <laughs> like, you, yeah like, it's in your best interest for me to call your mom <laughs> and um, instead she puts her up on top of a vehicle and lets her give a speech and star kills it yes and then she throws a tear gas grenade back at a cop, which is the most yes. badass shit I can imagine. So amazing. If I saw that, like, there's, she talks about when she gets in the fight with Haley about how people are yelling, world star, world star. If I saw someone <laughs> pick up a tear gas grenade that a cop threw up, threw at me and then throw it back, that is the moment when I would start yelling world star. Yeah. Yeah. And she even says she... it's going to explode at any minute and she throws it back. It's so good. Yes. Her, that whole thing with her and her speech and throwing it, I, every time I see a news article about another person of color being murdered by a cop, I still have not figured out a way to explain everything I end up feeling at that moment. It usually ends up being a lot of anger. Um, that I still, I can't quite put into words. And I felt reading that, this particular part where Star wants to use her voice, she wants to say something, she wants to do something and end, ends up throwing the, that can back at them. If the way that Angie Thomas wrote it, I still don't, it did explain my feelings, but I felt my feelings come through in every word of this entire section and thought it was incredibly well-written because of that. This good book, guys. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I feel like Angie Thomas gets to, with Star, um, the heart of the way that a lot of us feel when we see these things. That you, I, I feel this overwhelming need, especially after reading this book, but also every time um, something like this happens where you feel really helpless because what are you going to do? And I think that Star feels like that at first, and it's really gratifying as a reader to see her grasp what she can do and run with it and be so successful with it. Even though they don't indict the guy, people know that Khalil was more than just a drug dealer who deserved to die. They know that that's not how it was, and I I felt what Stephanie was talking about and also this sense of just, like, that helplessness and I felt like Angie Thomas really like captured that yeah yeah 
and then um, when everything the finder. yes when everything goes into complete chaos because after she throws that it's just complete chaos um, with more tear gas can't like everything is just going crazy like she's got to try to find Seven and Chris and Devante and Goon, the leader of the cedar, or I don't know if he's a leader, but he's the guy who came to help guard their house after the drive-by. Gets pulls up to them, gets them in his truck. They pull in a bunch of other people. Um, they have a news, a journalist with them with a camera um, that's been following, obviously with them, like riding around, following them, like covering everything. And when they go to the store, I didn't know this that apparently milk will help with yep. tear gas. Yep, I didn't know that. It's a base. I knew that yeah. from the, when uh, there were a lot of protests around New Paltz, and we were all really nervous about getting shut down by, like, the local hillbillies. Yeah. It was something I learned when, like, if you're going to carry mace, and you accidentally mace yourself. Oh. It's the same thing. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I straight up learned it as, like, if you're going to go to a protest, you should know this. That was something they, that people <laughs> passed around before the Women's March as well. Oh, that's yeah. smart. And we had a couple marches really in New Paltz, and there's like a lot of Blue Lives Matter people who show up. So that's unfortunate. Yeah, a lot of those flags around. Um, so they go to the store. They like throw milk on their faces. They're all sitting in tear a gas. Pool which, of yeah, milk. like pools of milk. Um, everyone else leaves. So it's seven. Chris. Star and Devante are still in the store. And at this point, what we've seen through the riots is that a lot of stores will have that they spray painted or, you know, in big letters outside black owned. And for the most part, the riots were leaving those stores or businesses alone. And then while they're in the store, of course, Molotov cocktail gets thrown in. And I was like, what the hell? Yeah, same. (laughs) Um, I mean, it was 100% the king lords right well that was oh yes but at the time i was like i thought they were leaving the black owned businesses alone (laughs) everyone knows this is big Mav's store um and of course they have a hard time getting out luckily mr lewis sees them um and you know he's calling for help and i think his nephew comes and gets them out but this was i don't i don't know what it was like i don't cry very easily when reading books this was the part when mr lewis realized they were in the store that got me i don't know why cuz um, like they went through all this and now yeah. they might die it's just yeah. a terrible like, you, can't, you can't die even in the back of my head i'm like they, she can't possibly kill her none of character. you are allowed to die but yeah <laughs> but someone else could yeah i i thought star would make it all the way through but i was very worried about I guess everybody, everybody else. Else. I didn't think Devante yeah. was going to make it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but luckily they do get out. And um, actually Maverick, like Mr. Lewis, gets his nephew over. They help them out. Um, and then Maverick and Lisa and I think Uncle Carlos show up. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, they're mm-hmm. trying to, the other adults, they're trying to put the fire out. It's not working. And it just decimates the store yes um but even in the aftermath of all of that you know after the kids are okay i think they have the oxygen at this point then maverick's like wait a minute where have you guys been because 
they let's see i think star left uncle carlo i don't know where yeah. they went but basically they had not been in touch up to this point and it was like oh now that you're fine your parents would like to know where the hell you've been all night yeah. <laughs> i think she ended up on the news by this point so they oh, kind yes, of know think, yes yeah i think lisa calls her they're a little radical or something like that and yeah. i think that's when she says that you can like do this stuff and have speeches but you can't call or text your parents back <laughs> and there's also that really great scene where um everybody knows that king did it and king is yes. there watching the place burn and the yes. cops show up and they're ready to start like arresting big mav yeah and yeah. everyone in the neighborhood comes out and is like fuck this we all know king did it and yeah. everybody accuses him and he gets picked up on arson and then at that moment Devante goes Oh, no, I'll snitch on him. I don't give a shit anymore. Yeah. He's already like, I've already got the stitches. Well, because Carlos right. is like, we'll pick him up for arson, but it'll be out tomorrow. And, and Devante's yeah, like, Devante's like, I already got the stitches. Might as well snitch. What if somebody knew where his stash was? Yes. And he asks if it would help. I think he asks if it would help Aisha as well. Not just the, yeah. you know, the everyone else, but he does ask, like, something Kenya, about Aisha that's, in Kenya. Yeah, that was the point where I was like, something's going on here. Because, yeah, he goes, will it help Aisha in Kenya? And I was like, I think oh. it, I thought it was more because also, because Aisha helped get him out of that. Yes. Too, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I like Carlos is like, you want to turn witness? And I was like, is this what we call it? Yeah. <laughs> but, Yeah. He, and like immediately it's within like a, the next day I think King is his place is raided and yeah. um, while so they end up coming back to the store and there's talk of like what are they going to do are they not necessarily like are they going to rebuild the store it's it's like of course they're going to but also like are they going to and like, what are they going to do to bring this, to help bring the neighborhood back? And, like, cause, you know, the riots destroyed a lot. And Lisa's like, don't worry, I'm going to pick up more sh shifts at the clinic. And uh, Mr. Lewis comes over and basically is like, well, the idea of lying on a beach and doing mm. nothing sounds really great. I'm going to take the insurance payout and give you my store or, you know, help rebuild and but I you know there's enough in the insurance that I'm gone and he's like build a grocery store that this neighborhood can be proud of and I was just yeah. lots of tears it's really hard not to cry through this book so what y'all gonna do now Kenya asks with the store I mean a car honks at us and the driver yells out to let us know that he has our back the answer comes easily we'll rebuild And then I cry really hard because the last thing is that once upon a time there was a hazel-eyed boy yes. with dimples. I called him Khalil. The world called him a thug. That got me real bad. Yeah. The rest of it, too. He lived, but not nearly long enough. And for the rest of my life, I'll remember how he died. Fairy tale? No. But I'm not giving up on a better ending. Yeah. And then about how it's more than just being about Khalil, it's about Seven, Sakani, Kenya, Devante, and then goes on to name Trayvon, Oscar, Ayana, Sandra, like just goes down a list of 
some well-known names down to Emmett Till as well and the many more that are not included in this list. So yeah, not just a book about police brutality. It's a book about progress and hope, even if it doesn't feel like it. And Lanny Serum still thinks that she's got a better book. We don't need to talk about her. She doesn't deserve to be spoken about in this instance. I agree. It's it's just every time I think about this book, that's, yeah. Again, 75 weeks on the New York Times bestseller list. <laughs> I think she's actually probably broken a record yeah. along the ways. Like, I think she had the number one book, YA book for the longest. I don't think I'm making that up. looking it up no I can't find it I just I remember something uh, Angie Angie Thomas tweeting something along those lines but so yeah if you haven't read this book Please go read it. Please give it to a teenager. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if you see schools protesting it, please do what you can. I yeah. mean, To Kill a Mockingbird's been in the news a lot recently because of the whole, uh, is it a musical or is it a play on Broadway? No that's causing a lot of, you know, someone suing rights. There's a lot of issues going on with that. And, like, that's supposed to be, like, the book you read in school. But it's outdated and also written by a white woman. So let's... I am all for this book updating Mm -hmm. and being that new example. Um, Um, I think that this book, for me, sort of falls into the same category as, like... Weirdly enough, two comedy specials I watched recently. Um, I watched Nanette by Hannah Gadsby and Homecoming King by uh, Hassan Minaj, and both of them are similar to The Hate You Give in that they are pieces of media that are about something and you don't really fully realize what they're about until you're already in it. Um, Both Hannah Gadsby and Hassan Minaj have these really beautiful comedy specials where they're making jokes and everybody's laughing and then Hassan Minaj talks about what it was like to find out that his white homecoming date couldn't go to homecoming with him because he's an immigrant and then Hannah Gadsby follows up the ending of a lot of her jokes and talks about how oh yeah it was funny everybody made fun of me for being gay and also violently abused me and The Hate You Give falls into that because it starts off being a book about a teenage girl having a normal teenage experience where she runs into an old friend and maybe flirts with him, and then a cop shoots him. And you keep having to vacillate between these moments of this is a teenage girl having an experience that everyone can relate to, and this is the experience of what it's like to not be a white person in the United States. Um, and I think that all three of those things are more affecting for having such commonplace premises. 
Yeah. I think this is a really hard one to put a book drink. So if we want to fork out that this week. Water to hydrate. I can't even, there you go. Can't even think milk. of a drink that they had at like the party at the beginning. Let's go with the milk. The ice cups with the Kool-Aid. Good. There you go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I had those as a kid. <laughs> I did not because I was not allowed to drink Kool-Aid because it had too much sugar. It was only something I could get every now and then at, like, my aunt's house or something. <laughs> I remember the first time I made Kool-Aid on my own, and I didn't realize it had sugar in it. Oh. So I just put the packet into water. <laughs> <laughs> and later, my parents were like, what the hell? Like, this tastes awful. <laughs> so that's when I learned Kool-Aid has sugar. Um, yeah, I had neighbors down the street whose whose grandmother they would go <coughs> they would go stay with their grandmother after school and she would make us Kool Aid cups just like Star was talking about and I was like oh I know what she's I know what this is yeah all you need to do is mention jumping rope with like a, a telephone cable now and like you're hitting summer for for me and my friends down the street when I was a kid. <laughs> so yeah, I think we should. Make it a, a Kool-Aid ice, a frozen yeah. cup of Kool-Aid. I like that one. Let's go with that. I like that one, too. So, I'm almost hesitant to ask what everybody's reading next, because I know what I'm reading next, and it's not jolly. So, <laughs> L, what are you reading next that's not for a podcast? Oh, goodness. I don't need... Oh, um, I found a book that I'm waiting to get delivered to me, because I thought the art was really beautiful. It's called... The Map of Salt and Stars, and because I don't have it in front of me, I don't know the author's name, but it's about a young girl whose family moves away from Syria and then moves back to Syria in 2011, and then, of course, the Civil War breaks out, and she has to move back, and it's juxtaposed against this 12th century, um, I believe, Persian myth about a young woman who also has to make a journey in a similar area and I'm really really excited about getting it um I'm gonna look up the author's name real quick and you can move to Stephanie that's really really cool I'm really excited about it yeah yeah Stephanie what are you reading next um well kind of because of the hate you get because Big Mav when they played a black pray to black Jesus they have the picture of Huey P. Newton up I was like yeah (laughs) <laughs> what do I have about the Black Panthers that I haven't read? And I, I have Huey Newton's biography. Um, and I have one by, um, I don't know if it's Eldridge Cleaver, if it's autobiography or if someone else wrote it. Um, but I was like, I don't know if I've actually read that. I think I might, it might be one of those books that I've had forever and just assumed I've read. And then, so I was going to do Eldridge Cleaver's biography. And then I was like, no, I have this, um, it's called The Black Woman. It was edited by Tony Cade Bambara. It's a collection of essays by like, Alice Walker, Audre Lorde, so not just essays, poems, and stuff like that, too. And I'm pretty sure I bought it in college for a class, and I will bet anything that I only needed a couple pieces of it, and that I didn't actually read the whole thing. So that's what I'm going to be going through, is this anthology. Very cool. Yeah. I have, currently have, did you find the author? Yeah, I did. I'm going to butcher this name. Okay. Uh, Zainab Juhadar, it's J-O-U-K-H-A-D-A-R is their last name. Um, and the book only came out in, on in May of 2018, so it's pretty new. 
Oh, cool. Um, I'm not sure that they have another book. I haven't researched it at all. I just saw the name and read the story, and um, it kind of brought to mind The Kite Runner and uh, A Thousand Splendid Sons by uh, Khaled Hussaini, who's actually, that's actually one of my favorite books. A similar Very story cool. about um, upheaval in the Middle East and what it does to families. Recommend that one for everybody who hasn't read it. A Thousand Splendid I know everybody's read The Kite Runner, but A Thousand Splendid Sons is really excellent. Yeah, I think that one, um, I haven't read either because they also fall into, this is too real and I'm not ready. <laughs> but A Thousand uh, Splendid I, my mom read so good. <laughs> yeah, that's actually, my mother has always said she liked that more than Kite Runner, so. Um, so I am currently reading, <laughs> which I, I ended up having to put a book between it because going from the hate you give back to I'm currently it's uh, Roxane Gay's new collection of essays but instead of all being essays by her this is actually a collection of essays and it is called Not That Bad Dispatches from Rape Culture and I've and maybe a third of it the way through because it's really I have to read it in small doses um, but I've already made like over a hundred highlights like it's so good to read these these thoughts that women have had that you're like no I understand this feeling and someone finally gets it so um but I am balancing that out because I can't do it on its own it's just it would break me um but I learned today of an author named Nikki Drayden do either of you know anything about her no. Um, so she has a new book that just came out called Temper, which is the one I was hearing about. It just came out this week. I listen to Book Riot's uh, All the Books. Every Tuesday they talk about books that come out because Tuesday's new book release day. It's a very dangerous podcast, but I've <laughs> gotten to the point where I, I only add one book maybe like every other episode. Um, only one book every other episode. <laughs> Considering, like, <laughs> the first few times I was like, oh, here's, like, four books. <laughs> and I was like, I gotta stop. So this is, uh, like, a alternate South African, or uh, South Africa, where everybody has a twin, and you can't get too far from your twin. And, like, there's seven vices and seven virtues, and, like they kind of have to split those and also there's a demonic um possession and it's like i'm not doing it any justice but it's basically like sci-fi horror magic dark humor like all rolled into one and um it sounded so fascinating so i went to look it up and a friend of mine has read it and said it was really really good but that's not going to be available for me until next month. So I actually grabbed her other book, which is The Prey of Gods, which just lit up very bright, um, which is another one based in South Africa. It's another sci-fi that I don't know anything about other than it involves robots and maybe there's a robot uprising yes. in South Africa. But I'm very, very curious about her now and her work. So... That's what I'm going to be balancing out with. <laughs> that sounds really, really good. What was the first one called? The first one's called Temper. Temper. That sounds like some shit I would be on. Yeah, it's the cover's really, really cool. Um, 
and I, I, it's too small for me to look at right now, but it's like a futuristic guy, like guy looking like he's wearing futuristic clothes and maybe has like demonic smoke around him. I don't know. It's really, really cool. And uh, I'm very excited to try it out. So um, what'd you say the name of that podcast was? It's all the books. So if you search book riots, um, here's my quick spiel about book riot. They have one that is, comes out every Monday that is basically like book news, which is mm-hmm. how I kind of stay up on, or it, it's how I used to stay up on everything, but they also talk about a lot of things that I don't get from book Twitter. Um, but like, what Barnes and Noble is trying to do today to stay relevant and make money. And all the books is the other one I recommend, which comes out on Tuesday and Friday. Tuesday is about new books that came out that week. Friday's about it's her, it's one of the hosts clearing out her backlog of books. So I don't listen to Fridays because I know I'll end up adding books. Yeah. <laughs> so listen at your own peril. Yeah. Um, nice. But I do highly recommend the the book riot one's about an hour the all the books is about 30 minutes they they try to make it quick so um and they usually talk about five or six books so highly recommend i will also have to try to limit myself (laughs) yes um i think it's actually the first place i heard about the the power and why it ended up on my list Mm. uh um so yeah Elle, thank you for coming back. Of course. Yes, thank you. It was nice to come back and talk about a really good book instead of what yes. we talked about the last time. We won't talk yes. about it again. Um, <laughs> which was still a fun book. Still yeah, fun to talk about. There are worse books out there. Uh, do you have anything you would like to plug? Uh, yeah. I, am, I have a podcast with Meg. <laughs> we're the Handbook Podcast, and we're reading a really, really, really terrible book right now. Um, we're covering Cocky Gate. <laughs> And it's been a lot of fun. And in the last episode, Meg went and found some stock porn music to put in there. So it's <laughs> honestly a blast. I need to send you the whole song. No, you because, don't. Because like... I heard the moaning noises at the end. So I got everything I needed. <laughs> it starts. Oh, my God. It's so much worse. And I loved it so much. It was like, this is perfect. So if you can't tell, we're talking about an erotic novel. It's called Cocky Heart Surgeon. It's been a lot so far, and we're only on chapter 7 out of 40, so uh, you can check us out there. We're Handbook Podcast on Twitter, or just search Handbook Podcast in your app of choice, and yep. you can listen to us uh, talk cock, which is what we're, we're referring to what we're doing. Yep. <laughs> yep. I love it. <laughs> There's a lot of things that we say that I don't remember until I go back and edit, and I'm like, oh... <laughs> We did actually go there. And by we, it's usually me that makes the most off-the-wall comments. So, yeah. Stephanie, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Nope. Uh, Just JBC. (laughs) Always works. Uh... And I host two other ones. Fable Youth Retellings is on a break, but we'll be back to talk about Baba Yaga soon. And Minds at Yerk, if you liked Animorphs, come listen to us talk Animorphs and me try to slide in my casting for each Animorphs character without them realizing it. So, <laughs> so we will be back in two weeks. 
we are going to be reading Kanye Owes Me $300, which I didn't tell you this beforehand. Sorry, Stephanie. <laughs> no, I looked. Um, you posted something on Facebook, and I was like, oh, right. That's oh, that's right. I did post. <laughs> this is a book. It's someone's like, right. biography. Uh, uh, Tim Stevens is going to be joining us to talk about Kanye. Is it Kanye West or Kanye Owes Me 300 I don't have it on me. Um, which, yeah, we're going to be talking. It's a biography. That's all I know. Yep. So. I think, I think of a white it... rapper. Yes. Holy crap. Yes. Yes. So. Um, something so new. Yeah. <laughs> I have not read this. <laughs> nope. Something completely different. I'm assuming it's going to be a little bit more lighthearted than this. <laughs> this I one. really hope Hopefully. so. That's why, like, yeah. I looked at the, the list and I was like. We need something lighthearted. Yeah. And I couldn't remember what the other two books were about, but I knew this one was going to hopefully be lighthearted. Yeah. So. Well, thank you again. Thank you guys so much for having me again. Thanks for coming uh, on. Anything else we need to add before closeouts? Oh, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at JBC Podcast. Uh, there's a Facebook group, which is a handbook for judging fabulous retellings covers. So come talk, uh, talk with books us. with us. Cock, books, anything. Um, Open-ended. Yeah. yeah. Right. Tell us your favorite erotica story. <laughs> and, oh, uh, did, did we talk about the cover of this book? A little bit. Or was that beforehand? I don't know. <laughs> Shit. I can't remember if that was before we started recording. Let's talk about the cover really quick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah just in case. Because I think there's um, now two of them. Yeah. I just hit images and like this is the second one that's popping up that I had not seen before of like someone's profile. Yeah. I can't tell if that's her. Um. So but. the main cover is is a is a girl holding a sign as if protesting, mm-hmm. and it covers most of her um, body. Yeah. Yes. You can see her <laughs> eyes and her big fro, curly hair, and I also like the headband or bandana that she has tied because it reminded me of Tupac and how he used to wear his bandanas. Yes. So I love that. Um, but you can't see her mouth and then the sign covers up most of her body down to like her legs and you can see like her shorts and her sneakers and stuff. Definitely have to have the sneakers. Yep. Yep. But it's a very, Um, it's like a very simple cover, but the message of it being like a protest sign, I, I love it. Yeah. I think the newer cover might be a tie into the movie. I'm seeing one where it is Amanda. It is. It does look like her. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I really like the simple, stunning cover. It's, um, I need to buy this book. I still don't own it. Like I, I look at it every time and I'm like, oh yeah, I need to buy that. And then I just don't, but everybody can expect it for Christmas this year. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, who so. needs this book? Everybody. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, we'll be back in two weeks. So during that time, don't forget to go support your local libraries. Have a good day.